Well, it's been great getting into Luke this term so far. So tonight we're going to continue on through first six chapters of, of Luke, um, particularly chapter four tonight. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversations I've been having with a lot of you guys over the last few weeks. Um, uh, again, if you're here tonight and this raises questions for you, grab an older person, someone who looks older than 18, um, talk to them. I'm sure they'd like to engage as well. Um, but before we do that, I just want to skim over a few things that have happened so far. So we had Break It Down last week. Was that a good time? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I visited a few groups and they looked like they were having a, a pretty, pretty rocking time. So, so that was good. Um, yeah, so if you've got a Bible there, open it up to one. Does anyone here not have a Bible? Anyone here not have a Bible in front of them? Who's game enough to put their hand up? Yeah? All right. We've got one there. Two there, catch. Three there. They're yours. Um, so they're just Luke's gospel, which is good. So you can follow along tonight. So Luke chapter 1. Um, again, we've been focusing here on who Jesus is, who Jesus is, uh, what he's come to do, and what is our response to him based on who he is and what he's done. Yeah? The one, open up there, we can see first of all there the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus are foretold. We read of John's birth, John the Baptist's birth in chapter 1. Chapter 2, uh, we see the birth of Jesus and Jesus' life as he grows to be a man. Uh, chapter 3, here again of John the Baptist and him coming to prepare the way for the coming Messiah or the coming Saviour. So chapter 3 verses 4 to 6. Uh, I'll just quickly read a, a part of that. Uh, it says, verse 4, As it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley should be filled in, every mountain made mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, quite smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So this guy, John the Baptist, has come to prepare the way uh, for the coming Messiah. He's come to prepare the way coming Lord Jesus. And so we flick over again, the end of chapter 3, and has anyone here read the genealogy yet? Anyone read through that? Bit of a tongue twister. Just fold if he's the only one. Okay. Um, so I want to ask you guys a question. Why include genealogy? Why, why does Luke include the family tree of Jesus? Why does he include the, the family heritage of Jesus? Why? Any thoughts? To show his connection with David, okay. Someone coming back? So you can trace it, okay. That's good. To consider the context, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I reckon they're all, they're all right things. I think genealogies show us that we've all come from somewhere, yeah. So you've got grandparents, you've got parents. Um, and so no person is an island, no individual person is an island by themselves. And so, same with Jesus. But I think what's special about Jesus' genealogy or Jesus' family tree is that it extends all the way back. So all the way back through Joshua, all the way back through David, through Jacob, through Abraham, all the way to Adam, the son of God. And I think that that... This kind of authenticates or puts the, the stamp of approval 
that Jesus is actually God's promised son. Um, he is God's promised Messiah. Jesus is God's promised saviour to come. And so, yeah, just want to bring us up to speed, especially if you're new welcome. We're glad that you guys are here too. Um, but I want to start tonight by asking a question. I want to ask a question. What uh, so again? When was the last time you were tempted? When was the last time you were tempted? Really sincerely, deeply tempted to sin. To say or do exactly what you know you shouldn't say or do. Uh, what was it? Was it you? Was it something that's a habit that shows up every week or month or year? Um, how did it go? Were you able to resist it? Um, or were you drawn? Um, and so as we examine Luke 4 tonight, we're going to get this amazing snapshot of the temptation of Jesus. Um, Jesus was tempted. Um, that tells us that temptation itself isn't a sin. Um, Jesus was tempted in sin. And as we examine the temptation of Jesus, we get the perfect example of how sin and temptation ought to be resisted and how we can fighting sin as Christians, how we can keep fighting temptation now and for the rest of your life. So I hope tonight's an encouragement, but I hope tonight's a challenge as well. Um, so we're going two places tonight. Uh, Jesus, the model man. Jesus, our saviour God. Yeah. Um, and again, what we do each week, we grab a chunk of the Bible, we read through it, and we seek to understand what God has to say to us through it. So we'll do that tonight. I'm going to quickly pray into 1 to 13, yeah? So why don't you join me? Uh, dear Lord Jesus, please help us to understand your word tonight and live lives that trust you and fight sin. Amen. All right. Well, I hope for you guys, I hope this analogy sticks in your mind. Um, there's a Puritan author by the name of Thomas Brooks who wrote a book on Christians facing temptation. Uh, and in it, he uses a really helpful says that temptation is nothing more than bait on a hook. Okay? It's a pretty big hook. It says temptation is like bait. It's like bait on a hook. Yeah? Um, Satan will come to you as he came to Jesus, and Satan will bait your hook. Yeah? With whatever entices you. I'll bait your hook. It might be sex. It might be fame. It might be drink. It might be money. It might be it might be popularity, it might be clothes, it might be comfort, it might be a boyfriend or girlfriend, it might be achievement, it might be success, it might be being liked. Whatever it is, he will bait your hook. Um, his entire goal is to give you whatever will bite and take the hook so that in every way he can reel you in towards sin and death leads to death, and the reason people keep sinning is often because they're enticed by the bait, but they forget about the hook. Yeah, And so being crafty and clever, the deceiver, the tempter, the liar, Satan, finds creative ways to keep the hook. Yeah, And so we see in Luke 4 that Satan comes to Jesus and he baits Jesus' hook continually. Days, yeah, 
And as we look at the temptation of Jesus, we find ourselves meeting a God who in every way identifies with us. We're tempted. He's been there. He's not a God who stands back and separate. And he's not immune from temptation and trial. He's a God who enters into trial and temptation and suffering. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be washed clean and know the forgiveness and restored relationship with God that only Jesus can offer. So as we get into text tonight, remember firstly that forgiveness is yours freely if your trust is in Jesus. And that God came as a man, fully God as well as fully man, and he died and he rose again so that you could have new life and you can have forgiveness with him. All right? All right, so Jesus our model man. Have a look at chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for four years he was tempted by the devil. So what's just happened here in Luke 3 is that Jesus has been baptised. He's come out of the water and immediately after coming out of the water, verse 22 of chapter 3, he receives the Holy Spirit and his Father speaks from heaven. Uh, you are my Son, whom I love, with you I pleased. This then is the very start or the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He was about 30 years old. And so he's led by the Holy Spirit in he goes straight to the battlefield, yeah? Straight to the front lines. Uh, and he might still be wet, yeah? Jesus might still be wet from being back. Um, and he goes off into the wilderness all by himself for 40 days. He fasts, he doesn't eat anything, and he's doing battle with Satan. He's tempted by Satan for 40, 40 nights. Um, let's pick it up from second half of uh, verse 2. Uh, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all the bread and splendor, for it is being given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it'll all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered for the third time, says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then, what's the temptation here? What is the temptation? Um, the first temptation begins, could Jesus have turned stone? Could he have done that? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah, of course he could. Jesus can turn water into wine. He can turn stones into bread. So Jesus is starving and Satan tells Jesus to make bread. If you're hungry, is it a sin to eat bread? No, of course not. Um. But um, w uh, with us, when we're tempted, he yeah, has um, 
Jesus has been there. He's been here. And so what's the here? Well, part of the temptation is whether or not he would obey Satan. It's Satan who's commanded Jesus to do this and not God. So the second, Satan is tempting Jesus to meet a physical desire. Um, so you need to know that, that many of our temptations, uh, our bodily appetites, our not necessarily evil of themselves, so food, drink, rest, these can be good gifts, but they can also lead us into temptation, gluttony, drunkenness, or the law says you can, addiction, worshipping comfort and pleasure as if they were gods and we pursue them at all costs. The real temptation here, though, is actually an attack on Jesus' identity. Have a look at verse 3 and verse 9. Satan says here, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Ah, so Jesus, uh, Satan attacks Jesus' identity. Um, remember back in chapter 3, verse 22, God says to Jesus' son, with whom I am well pleased. But Satan seems to be attacking Jesus, asking him the question, <coughs> are you really the son of God? Are you really the son of God? You see... Life comes out of your identity. Your life comes out of your identity. Who you think you are will determine the decisions you make and how you live your life. If you think you're pretty good and you're a pretty good person without sin, you live a self-righteous religious life. If you think you've done things that are beyond repair, um, you'll never enjoy the forgiveness and the newness of life that God has for you. You see, identity, identity determines biography. What I mean by that is who you are determines how you live. Who you are determines how you live. And so Jesus is the Son of God. That's what God has said about his Son, verse 22. And so Satan comes and says, are you sure? You see, in Jesus, you have a new identity. If you're one who trusts you have a new identity, you're a new creation. Um, God is your true heavenly Father. The Spirit of God in you is your The church is your new family. Heaven is your real home. And so Satan tries to distort that tries to twist that. Satan might come to you and say, uh, are you really forgiven? You know, you're thinking in your own mind, am I really forgiven? Don't you remember the horrible things you did? Are you sure God forgives you for that? God loves you? Sure he loves you? You're suffering right now. Are you sure he loves you? It doesn't he loves you. Are you sure that God <coughs> excuse me. Are you sure that God adopted you into his family? It doesn't seem like your Christian friends are all that helpful. Are you sure that God is your father? Are you sure you're a Christian? Are you sure that you're loved and 
cleansed and forgiven and redeemed. If all those things the Bible claims are true, wouldn't your life look a little bit better than it does right now? And Satan will question your identity as a child of God as he questioned the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. Yeah? Satan questioned your identity as a child of God just as he questioned the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. So I really want you guys to know that in Christ you get a new identity. And out of that identity you live a new biography, a new life. And if you forget your identity, it will destroy your biography. It will destroy your Christian life. And Satan is a liar. Jesus says he's a liar. He's the father of lies and lying is his native language. He's been lying since the beginning. Beware, because he's a liar. Satan's a liar. And so, how does Jesus respond? Have a look on verse 4. He responds by quoting a few verses from the book of Deuteronomy. He quotes Deuteronomy three times from memory. Deuteronomy chapter 3. But notice what Jesus does here. He says, it is written. Verse 4, it is written. In other words, Jesus is saying, the Bible says. The Bible says. So Satan has come to Jesus. He's tempting him. And what Jesus is saying is, you need to know your Bible. You need to know the Scriptures. Um, If you don't, you have no spiritual authority. You have no weapon in your hand to fight with. Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4 tells us that God's word is living and it's active. It's like a sword, so you can draw it out of your hole and swing it around. Um, so God's word is a weapon, yeah? It's a spiritual weapon. Um, and it's made for battle. That's what it's made for. And as Satan comes to you and the battle of temptation is present in your life and your hook is being baited, your flesh is being tempted, Scripture, Scripture is your only hope. Know it well and to quote it from memory is going to help you battle against sin and temptation. The question is, if all of human history hanged on your capacity after 40 days in the wilderness without food, just want to ask you guys, ask yourselves a question. Would you have the ability to quote Deuteronomy? How would it go? Say, you're going to save the world. How would you go? Due to what? Due to where? Due to who? Due to, uh uh-oh. Deuteronomy. Um, It's a bit left from where we are in Luke. And some of you guys, this is an encouragement. So it's an encouragement and it's a rebuke. Yeah, encouragement, rebuke, in love. Some of you guys need to commit yourself to spending time reading through the Bible. Yep, get in a G-team. Commit yourself to a G-team. Read it on your own. Read it with a couple of mates. Just start something. Start somewhere by reading the Bible 20 minutes a day 
and you read the whole Bible in a year. Yeah. Um, Jesus, we're told in Luke 2.52, during his teenage years, says he grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. He's baptized, he begins his ministry, and he goes out to the wilderness. Satan comes to him. What he doesn't say is, uh, stop, I've got some homework I've got to do. I'll be back in a decade. Or, sorry, I forgot to read Deuteronomy. Um, he's ready to go. Jesus is ready to go. Um, I'd imagine most of you guys are at, are at home. You've got it pretty good. You get good holidays. You get time during the week. And quite often, quite often, we're wasting it. We are. We're wasting it with television. We're wasting it with the internet. We're wasting it with hobbies and entertainment. None of which are necessarily bad in themselves. These things aren't bad. But when temptation comes our way, you won't be ready for the battle. Yeah? When you're tempted, we won't be ready for the battle. And so Jesus is ready for the battle. Are you ready for the battle? Are you ready? Second point we're going to move on to. Jesus is our saviour God. So Luke 4.13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. And so Satan leaves Jesus. Um, the hook is baited for Jesus, but he leaves him. I'm there. The hook is baited over and over and over and over again. Um, so Jesus was in real painful temptation, real trial, but he was able to stand up under temptation. Um, Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. And so when you're tempted, don't believe the lie that says Jesus doesn't understand, Jesus can't relate, Jesus has never been there, circumstances are unusual, I can't talk to him about this, he won't understand, um, I'm ashamed of myself. Romans 8.28 says, there is now no condemnation for, for those that are in Christ Jesus. Um, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Christ has forgiven, washed clean, made new. So whatever the temptation you face, Jesus has faced that temptation. Um, and so for some of you guys, maybe you don't realize it yet, but you're in the middle of a raging spiritual war. Some of you guys here tonight will be in the middle of a raging spiritual war. Temptation is there for you all the time. It's there all the time. Before you leave for school, at school, when you get home from school, on the weekends, you're finding yourself just walking up and down. Yeah, it's an endless battle. And for others, maybe you're here tonight and you're just cruising. Yeah, it's easy at the moment, you're cruising through. But for both camps, for all of us, we've got to prepare ourselves and we've got to prepare ourselves well. Um, 
that there's not a person in this room who hasn't fallen to some sin and temptation in their life and won't continue to face ongoing temptation in their life. Um, I'm just going to finish up with a story. I'm going to pray. Um, there's a young man or woman to an old minister one day and said, um, look, can I, can I just talk with you for a sec? Um, I'm tired. I'm sick of the flesh, sick of the constant battle against sin in my life. Uh, I just want to give up. I just want to give up. The old pastor sympathizes and says, well, I wouldn't trust myself till I'd been dead three days. I wouldn't trust myself till I'd been dead three days. The point being, keep looking to Jesus, keep repenting of sin in your life. You can't always trust yourself, but you can trust Jesus. Um, keep reminding yourself of the promises of the word of God that he gives us. And remember, Jesus faced temptation. Um, and so, a few points I'm just going to finish with up here. Um, you might find helpful. Satan is a real enemy. Satan will try and take you down. Jesus is your victorious warrior king. The Holy Spirit is your power. Biblical truth is your counterpunch. Christ is your identity. Escape is always possible. Satan eventually taps out. Repent whenever you tap out and fight another round. And life is a battle with many rounds. Um, we have a saviour who promises to walk close with us if we would but walk close with him. Um, so let me encourage you guys, um, Jesus, keep repenting of sin, keep fighting temptation. I'm going to pray and something's going to happen next. Lord and Father, uh, we realise we live in a world full of sin and temptation. Um, please help us to be a youth group that has its identity in you. Please help us as a youth group to keep fighting sin and temptation in our own lives. That we might be able to stand together on that final day, rejoicing in the victory that you've won for us, celebrating our true together with you in eternal paradise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.